Ladies and gentlemen, we'll begin our final descent. As we prepare for landing, please make sure your seatbelt is fastened and your seat back and tray tables are stowed. Also this time, please put away all carry-on items, including laptop and devices of similar size for landing. landing. Ladies and gentlemen, prepare to enter Culturama with Diva. Hello, Culturama listeners, and welcome to this exciting episode of Culturama with Diva, where simplicity is the best thing. This program is brought to you by Inner Sanctum Entertainment LTD. We are Inner Sanctum Entertainment Limited, proud sponsor of Culturama with Diva. We encourage you to listen and join us in a journey of cultures, ideas, and innovations as Diva takes us around the world with her guests. An amazing show with an amazing host. We thank you for accepting the challenge of opening your mind. We are Inner Sanctum Entertainment Limited and we are a proud sponsor of Culturama with Diva. So Barry, we're back with you with part two. Take us from there now, um, when your friend um, gave you a, a letter. Well, let me let me let me talk about technology. Yes, for a that's right. Because in 1982, I acquired something which many of our your listeners know called a verse braille. It was the first braille computer terminal, and you could go online with it. I remember the first day on CompuServe, or I may have been the source actually, where I ordered coffee online from a company that was the first online internet coffee company in the in the country. They didn't even know it was the internet. They were it was just there. And you could start to read newspaper and I said, "Oh my goodness." So, and then of course, there's the word processing because before everything we had to do, we really couldn't edit unless somebody else did. It was typed on a typewriter. Mm-hmm. But what what I what I learned about was the second purchase was a Diablo 630 printer that looked like an IBM selective typewriter weighed about 70 pounds but you could connect it to this braille terminal and you could edit and you could print and you could write and hand it to somebody instantly and that was like that 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 to me if there's one singular moment in the power of technology for me which is now gone through about 40 years of this stuff yeah. um it's it's it started it started there So every time a new piece of braille equipment particularly would come out, um, I would be there. I, I, I worked with a number of companies, a little bit advisory-wise, to help them as they're developing their device. I spent some time working with Dean Blasey when he was doing the first braille, um, not the braille and speak, but his device that actually had a braille display on it which we just all love, the Braille Lite series, the Braille Lite 20 and 4, and Braille Lite, I think it was 18 and 40. And that was a revelation too, because you had a two pound device. You had something that's the size of these things today, 
um, you know, that people know as modern portable note takers. Right. Th this was a word processor. And with the use of a little terminal program that somebody wrote, you could uh -huh. go on the internet and you could, and that's how I got into email because I, we started, when we started with email um, in the early 1990s, I realized I had to have a way to access it, not, access it, not just with my staff, but with my clients. Mm -hmm. So we found that. And then a couple of years later, of course, now we're starting to see more developments in, in Braille technology. We'd actually, we'd, we'd taken our first web page, which is the web page, one of the web pages I still have, although I don't yes. use it actively right now. We'd actually taken a web page in 1994. People, I mean, that's 25 years ago, 26 years ago. It's like I saw, I didn't know what the web was going to become for us, yes. but I could see that as a business tool, it was, it was, it, it, the opportunity, the ability to make use of that and doing marketing over the internet, sending proposals to people, all mm -hmm. doing this stuff in Braille. I, I have never been a great keyboard user. I use JAWS and NVDA, mm -hmm. but my, I tell people this about Braille, and I, I, I believe this fervently. If you were going to edit, seriously edit any document, anything that's going to either be used professionally, you, I mean, and again, as a lawyer, I write, I wrote contracts a lot. That was a lot of what I did. Whoa. I would be doing contracts. I'd be doing business agreements, hundred pages. And they're done in Braille. Yeah. I'm doing them. I'm right. You know why I'm writing in Braille to you? I'm writing in Braille because I can edit easily. It's not like to go. And, you know, we have so many bad blind spellers. It's not their fault. It's just that because screen readers, you don't learn spelling when you're using a screen reader unless you work at it. Braille, the word is in front of you. So the you're ability, able to feel, yeah, and, yeah. you know, you're just, get a you're better just, idea of what the word is. Well, the letters are moving past you and you can edit. You can edit using a screener. I'm not saying you can't. To right. me, the experience is different. And the Braille display gives you more control over what you do. So as every device came along, um, we would be like a first adopter, either buying it or stuff like this. So Talking Solutions comes along. I'm sort of in transition. I'm shutting it down. But... One of the things, the last thing I did before we finally said we need to take a rest for a few years mm -hmm. was some of us remember the first Victor Stream by HumanWare. All of us do. The first Victor Stream was pretty much one of the first and the, the, the first widely accepted um, audiobook player that played NLS, that played Bard for US people, that played Daisy Books. And again, another little window on the world. There was only one problem with the original stream. The original stream had volume that was so low that if you put it away from your ear by more than a foot or two, you couldn't hear it, especially right. if you had a hearing impairment. Right. Well, one of the things that I had been doing as we'd started, um, as we'd started Talking Solutions, I'd been commuting back and forth to China for two years, working on making product designs, looking at stuff revising it. You almost had to do this in person because if you can't see pictures and you want to feel the work that engineers and stuff are doing, what do you do? You go over to China. So for about two years, I was doing that commute, which is crazy. Well, when I saw this stream, I said, wait a minute, we got to do this something else. Something's wrong. We can do this. So 
That took me on what turned out to be my last trip to China for about 10 years. Wow. I, sat I sat down with a company that made speakers. And I said, I want a speaker that's so tiny, it's not going to have a table. It's going to have a plug out of the end of it. It looks like a little egg. There need to be people who are listening to this. We've been seeing these. You can plug it right into the stream. It used two AAA batteries. And this is 15 years ago, all right? Well, yes. the only thing is, they told me I'd have to make 10,000 of them. Because when you're in production, it's like, you want us to set up a, a line, a molding line. We're going to mold these. We got to have enough of them to make money. <laughs> so you got to yes. buy 10,000. So I bought 10,000 speakers. Now, thankfully, they were pretty cheap. I think at the time they were about a dollar 25 and i think we sold them for first 15 and then 10 dollars it took me 10 years to get rid of all of them but they were very cool they even worked in early iphones they were amplifiers which is one of the reasons i have love for our amplifier products today but this it was like you can make something that works every time i think about that and Though we we don't, most of our life is not spent on manufacturing, but there every couple of years I take on a product, I find a Chinese partner. We've got we've had three of them running in the last two years that have all been successful. And it's again, it's finding the partner, it's finding some, and it's also the right finding people, the right the, partners, the right, right manufacturers. Yeah, the, not just the right ones, but the people who you can count on who deliver getting a blue for getting a specification done with pictures and stuff you know it makes it i mean i've had stuff that that i had to go back to the drawing boards with what i have learned about retaining or hiring people is you have to almost be obnoxious to the point of making sure they understand what you want um one of the things that i've used as a technique for years in hiring people sort of helped this way too I always wanted to see when I was hiring a sighted person, of course, everybody was, was that how comfortable they were in a strange environment. So I purposely scheduled the inner, anybody, anybody at a middle manager level or above in any company I did. And I was, if I was interviewing them, I scheduled them around a meal because I wanted to see how comfortable they were leading a blind person, going into a restaurant, working on a menu and Smart. just being comfortable. Okay, because you if a person isn't comfortable there, you don't want them working for you. You just don't. I we did pretty well that way with our folks. We all, we had some crazy people, but for the most part, <laughs> it, it you know, it's it's a way to sort of both bond and understand, you know, sort of what how you do and work with people. So Kay and I started out, I'll just do briefly because I want her to tell a bunch of the story too. Before but, before you go to Kay, who's a sweetheart, let me just say so myself, just a reminder, folks, that I'm speaking with the handsome, very shire. And this program is brought to you by NSI Entertainment and Accessible Technology Solutions. If you need instrumentals, recording, mixing, or mastering, maybe a music video, photo shoot, or graphic designing, need bouncy castles, face painting, popcorn, cotton candy, or characters for the kids, want to do online or offline promotion, maybe both. Let's print your t-shirts and everything else. Here at Inner Sanctum Entertainment Limited, we got you covered. Reach us on FB and Instagram at Inner Sanctum Entertainment LTD, YouTube at Inner Sanctum Entertainment, and Twitter at iSanctum Studios. Or call us at 1-866-338-4123. That's 1-866-338-4123. Do 
that the blind folks of today, blind and visually impaired folks of today are using the voiceovers, the invaded jaws more than the braille displays or other- Of course, of course. Braille, is a, braille literacy is a much smaller percentage of the blind population. Remember, we have a low vision you know, population that's that's you know a consistent percentage above the totally blind population who, are, who really need to rely on Braille. One of the difficulties we have, and I say this, and it, you know, I keep thinking somebody will lynch me one day. If the behavior of the blindness technology companies that they exhibit, for the most part, if they operate it in the same manner with respect to customer service and uh, it, new product stuff features fixing things when they don't work. I do not believe any one of the blind tech companies would survive in a sighted product world. They wow. would not, because they are, a, most of the Braille product production is not purchased by consumers. It's purchased by state agencies for the blind. They don't have any stake in making sure that the products are, there's no accountability there. When the consumers do buy them, it's true there are, but accountability in the blind technology world is, is not the same thing. So when you're spending five or six, or when the state spends five or $6,000 on a machine and it's not working for you to do the things you need it to do, it's not gonna be the state agency that's gonna call the company and say, you need to make this do the following. We have seen this time and time again, and it, it applies in varying levels. And, and again, this is an opinion to every one of our large technology companies. Um, yes. The, the other part, part, the other part of it is, and there are exceptions to this, but mm -hmm. the leadership of many of these companies are not blind entrepreneurial. I adore Jim Fruchtman of Bookshare. I believe that if we talk about what are the real long lasting platinum Academy Award successes in our world to make it better, Jim Fruchtman of Bookshare has to stand near the top, if not at the top of that list. He gave us literacy in the millions. Bard only has 10% of the books that Bookshare distributes. You know it's him just, personally? Oh yeah, I, I I, sort of grew up in the tech industry with him. I need when to get in touch with these people because I want to hear your, hear their perspective. Um, well, they, a, lot, a lot of them don't like to do interviews. They really don't. Um, they're, some, they're sort of like, yeah, this is what I did. But I watched Jim grow Bookshare and I've, you know, there's a couple of others like that, but um, I really admire the other blind entrepreneurs who decide they're gonna find a niche and do it. Take Mystic Access, which some of your listeners know, the tutorial people, um, Chris and Kim, who are now out and proud about getting married in a couple of months, which is great. Those two, and he, he founded the company. He's been doing things that nobody else did. Tutorials, they've been doing stuff with products, we're in partnership with, we're in collaboration with them. We're not, we don't share businesses, but right, right, we, right. Do an, we do an awful lot together. Unfortunately, the companies that make blindness technology are not about blind people and they don't use them in the capacity. And there are exceptions, there are always exceptions more or less. But mm -hmm. when you have a machine that has four motherboard replacements in two years <laughs> because it isn't working, when you have a machine that goes into service that takes for a year, when you have a machine that is made for a year and then not updated, so the $3,500 of their own money the person put on a braille display is rendered useless, and yes, that happened, all right? I, when you, I mean, there are so many examples of mismanagement and neglect, 
And basically, I call it non-caredness in the blind technology world. I do believe that somebody, and I, I keep threatening to do this, but if I do it, it's sort of like, do I really want to cause my, do I really want to cause myself a heart attack for the first time? <laughs> we need, we need the ability to set up a blind consumer information, much like Angie's, Angie's list was, or like medical grades are, where you evaluate, doctors are evaluated through questionnaires that go out into a database. Companies will only listen if people start, stay, start saying, you don't fix this, we are boycotting your products. That is the only way that the major companies will understand that they have to do better. And I wish it wasn't that way, but uh, again, the accountability right now is not there because we have so few choices. They will say, well, you're such a small market. My response is you can do an awful lot better if you end up with a product that keeps working and working, more people are going to buy it. Venkatesh Chari is the CEO of Orbit. He's a friend. I am one of their distributors in the U.S. I only have a couple in terms of um, you know people who do all the product lines and not catalog companies. Yeah. I did it not because number one, he was the first person to produce a functioning, low-cost Braille display. Doesn't have bells and whistles but you can connect it to your iPhone, you can connect it to your computer. I think what he introduced last, in the middle of last year, the, the Orbit Writer, which is a six key tiny keyboard that you connect to your phone so you can use a Perkins style keyboard to write and handle applications on your phone was brilliant. I wish I'd thought of it. He, he has single-handedly, not, not without mistakes, there've been a lot of issues, I know that, I acknowledge it, but. What, he, what Orbit Research has done is give us another dimension of low cost and affordable technology. And that is something um, that we wouldn't have had otherwise. I mean, nothing, nothing shows the prices go down. Like NVDA is suddenly out there and JAWS suddenly realizes that not only they have NVDA to work, worry about, they have narrator to worry about, they're free, and JAWS is charging $1,000 for an individual license. The state agencies have been using JAWS for so long for their rehab clients that it's hard for them to suddenly stop and say, we want to go another direction. We do what is always easier. All right, that's my that's my rant for the for the podcast, but... Um, just before me, you go any further, yeah. Barry, just for clarification, because we have sighted people listening, um, could you just explain what the definition of Braille, JAWS, and VDA, Victor Reader Screen? Victor Reader Screen. Right. Yeah, well, Braille, okay. JAWS, Narrator, which is from Microsoft. JAWS is which is from a company originally called Freedom Scientific. And uh, they've merged with a lot, a lot of other blindness companies and they're now called Vispero. Um, and the third, NVDA, which is an amazing product. It comes out of a nonprofit open source foundation that created a screen reader because it needed to be done, driven by the fact that in not in countries that are not the US and Canada and not, you know, in, in companies where you've got a lot of very poor, very, very little resources for for blind users and consumers, you have to find some way to interact interact with the world. So what those three products are is they make the screen of your computer talk and then not as just talk but allow you to use it as somebody would with a mouse it allows you to move around the screen to go on web pages to open programs and to to develop the use of a computer 
on as equal terms as you can with 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 you know other sighted sighted people. And screen readers are very popular because again, Braille is not used by a large quantity percentage of the blind population. But the screen reader stuff has made it convenient and easy to go in, not easy. As a matter of fact, it's getting harder now. And the reason is what we are learning is that there there used to be one screen reader, you learned one of them, you learned JAWS, you learned window eyes at the time, and you could use it and you could deal with everything you had to deal with. Except now, because there's so much complication, there's so much complexity and differentiation of the way websites show up, of the way office documents work, that you sometimes need screen readers for different functions. For example, I'll use, I may use JAWS for one function, um, but I will not use JAWS very often in PayPal because while it can be used, it's an awful lot easier to, easier to use NVDA. We run our business through PayPal, through a PayPal terminal, which I actually helped develop for them seven years ago, which is another story, but another time. Um, oh, yes. But, but Part that, three, maybe. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a, that, actually, they were great. And I know people have had problems with PayPal now, and I understand these big corporations, it's really, you know, the, big, the biggest challenge we have in advocacy is you have to figure out how, when, whatever the timing is, to access somebody who is capable of doing something about an issue that you have. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's not just advocacy, it's networking, it's, it's finding, you know, whatever it is, it's getting, like, I'll just, I'll just tell you, uh, last year, um, I wanted to find out what when the new iPhone SE 20 came out, which Ooh. a lot of blind people love. But at the time, it was sort of like brand new, and I wanted to know how, and I, oh, and I, I had a problem with mine. Actually, about two months in, the, the speaker, the um, ear speaker had broken. And I'm beginning to think, this is going to be a problem. I don't know if I want another one of these. So instead of calling up just the normal repair channels, I started my working my way up to T-Mobile corporate. It took four hours. Eventually, I found a vice president in the office, poor, that poor guy, on a Sunday morning. And I started to talk to him and explain the problem. Well, of course, he got it immediately. And he said, look, we've made a five-year commitment to this phone. We like it. We think it's as stable a phone as Apple has made. And, he, and they had wanted me to take the chance. They wanted me to send in one phone. And then they, the, the regular customer route was going to be something that was complex. He said, no, no. I will take care of this. You've got to find a person who is in a position to make a difference or respond to the situation that you have. If you can't do it yourself, maybe that's where you need a consumer group. If if the state, if if the agency that you got the equipment from, you got to keep pushing those people to say this isn't working. We need a way to far more effectively interact for the companies that make our lives simpler or more difficult by what they do. Do you think Apple Accessibility Department is doing enough to support the blind and visually impaired community? Well, we have to take a look at a 13-year perspective. Apple came with a great deal of innovation and has done a, an incredible job in bringing things to a place that we didn't think possible. But a process is driven by humans. Let me give you an example. When a new application comes out, we, we think if it were us, we'd put accessibility as one of the first proving steps of the app. And that has to be on a checklist to work perfectly. But you know what? 
what what would happen and it's nobody's fault is that accessibility is just one of many factors that have to be weighed in evaluating a program or an application so often what happens is and because again you don't have as many users what we often find out like that's how braille got broken in ios 14. some of the braille display interconnections the percentage of the population that uses voiceover is unfortunately very small so what we really need to do i mean if you wanted to get apple's attention and again ha having run companies and been you know sort of on, on on the front lines of business i guess what i would say is if it were me and i was sitting there as a group of people who relied on apple for accessible products i would simply make it very clear stop buying the iphone for three months and let apple know even a group of people with pub getting public about it saying we are telling the buying community that you have broken your product to the point that it is no longer accessible not only not only do you um you shouldn't upgrade but until they fix this issue now you don't do this for everything this is not like crying wolf you know you don't want to cry fire in a crowded theater but when this issue is that major when it impacts so many blind people i mean somebody has got to get to an apple executive i i i say this to you and it's it's i wish and i i, I know it sounds a little bit strange but i really wish that for every company all of a sudden for 20 hours one executive in that company went totally blind you would see such a change in us approaches to technology for us because you don't and again they know they do this and it's i give i give apple a great great deal of credit just like i give microsoft microsoft yes. has done wonders with narrator i'm using it i like it there's a couple of things i don't like but you know what to say that it's totally inferior to jaws or anything else it's not inferior anymore it does have some challenges but so do the others i mean again it's free versus the cost um wow. yeah, you know it's it it's and it's the same way unfortunately it is not easy to get to the people because we don't relate to them in business we don't deal with them every day who are involved in making product decisions um you know think about gps apps <laughs> if, if if you had a number of blind people in in companies that made gps apps for the community for the general market we'd have a we'd have them working and integrated right now as opposed to paying a huge amount for a, a little gps device like the trek i mean it's it's great it does what it needs to do but again a 799 now a 649 device but the fact is if it were mass market if there were competitors the world would be a very different place we are not in a position there is not a blind economy that can drive the decisions made by sighted companies. In a nutshell, that's exactly where we stand. Tell us about your business. What do you what do you sell? Who do you serve? And how can persons reach out to you? How do you get started in that? Let me let me talk a little bit about guidelines and gadgets. Guidelines and gadgets was an idea that arose in one night when Kay and I were sitting together and she said, you know, I have my guide light. That was her dog, Melody, her first guide dog. And Melody was a guide light. She was a pathfinder. I mean, she led us. And I mean, I, I, I wasn't obviously trained with her, but Melody became as much of my life as she became part of Kay's life. So she wanted to start a company because she said she'd never done a business like that before. And I said, you know what? Let's just do it. So I said, let's put a company up called Guide Lights and Gadgets. 
And we started in 2013. Within a year, we were, and initially we were just selling things that we found that, in addition to the dog products. And she has a lot of dog products. She calls it everything dog. That's basically her model. All things or everything dog. Well, I started to look at anything under a hundred bucks that was electronic, whether it was, uh, and that would be easy to use, whether because it had audio prompts and headphones, whether it had buttons as opposed to touch screens. So we started buying. And, and the way we do this is a little bit different than other companies. When we're doing a product, I will buy multiple designs of that product from a number of manufacturers wow. because I'm only going to market one of them. But I want them to be able to compare. If we, for example, if we carry a pair of or a couple of different pairs of speakers. It's only because we've concluded that these are things that are going to pair easily, that the controls are easy to operate, that it's it's about that in choosing among those things. And sometimes there are products that would really, really be good, but they're hard enough to operate. And, and when I get calls on them, I'm like, you know, we if, if it's too hard for a couple of users who are getting it, then it's not something we should be selling. And so that philosophy has led us into, um, it's basically a smorgasbord of electronics. It's everything from, um, I know we all have a lot of trouble with cables. Cables break, cables just get lost. So over five years, I said, we're gonna do one cable. And I started getting a cable that had um, three ends on it. I kept looking for higher and higher quality until today, we have a, a 10 foot cable, we only buy one. It is a cable that has micro USB, that has USB-C, and that has lightning. But that cable is going to come with a guarantee that if it breaks in six months, I'm giving you a new one. And we were able to get the price down as we went from manufacturer to manufacturer. So four years after starting cables at 30 bucks, and well, even with new ones, stronger ones, better made ones, it's down to 20. That's what I look for to do. So we have a whole variety of, I will call, garden variety electronics, um, headphone speakers, um, adapters, and, 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 and of course, also our sound, our sound amplifiers, our sound boxes, which have become probably one of our most useful items. I discovered something about six, seven years ago of a little product that is, it's, it's like a little speaker. You put it on top of whatever you're using and it amplifies the sound. No wires, no cables, no connections, no Bluetooth. It uses it uses magnetic magnetic um, properties. And so magnetic induction, it, speakers have magnets. So when the magnet gets near a sound, it's gonna take the sound into the chamber and amplify it, like into a little square box. So what we have found, and the, the company that started this really doesn't do much of it anymore, they're out of it. but. We have found a number of these devices that are really great in working with to, to amplify your iPhone or to amplify your Victor stream around the house. If you're cooking dinner and your streams in another room, you just put the stream on top of this little box. It's about the same size. So we've done a whole and that's that's been something that we just ended up doing on our own. Um, we found them. I've now got six models of them. They're stereo models. Again, once I grab something, it's like, OK, what can we do to make it the most useful? Now, our, our current endeavor, my biggest concentration right now, well, one other thing first. Um, the other big thing that we do, and again, this is a huge percentage of our business. We were, Kay and I were at a flea market in Florida one day and we bought something. And 
we're going, wait a minute. Let's see what this is, where it's made. Who's the manufacturer? Because we liked it. It was a little phone case. Well, we brought it back here and come to find out to our shock. And Kay is really good with the internet sourcing. She goes and looking, says, this is made in Myrtle Beach where we live, which is bizarre. But now I understand why five years later. What keeps you motivated? The motivation, I think, for both Kay and me, it's, it's really about difference making and it's really about options. And it's also about educating people as to what things can work. Because again, we need more competition. We need you know people who know how to look at products. And I mean, for us, this is, it may be work, but it's as much fun as it can be. Because it, we, when somebody, I, I had a call three days ago, perfect example. I had a call from someone three days ago who got a talking thermometer. And all of a sudden, um, their brother who was staying with them had a temperature and he'd never been able to use the thermometer and they didn't have one in their house. I had just, he had just bought one. He was, he just took it out and all of a sudden he's showing it to his brother, takes the temperature, has, he's got a fever, but it was like, I couldn't do that last week. And this thing is accurate and it works. You know what? That's the kind of thing that will keep us sitting there and going, all right, what are we doing next? There is a web page. We are Guidelights and Gadgets. Actually, the web page is www.guidelightsandgadgets, spelled out, .us. Kay is up to date with her dog products. I've got to update our gadget products a bit and our leather products. But there's a, there's a pretty good um, list of stuff there. But it's not on e-commerce. If there is something you're interested in, either you hear from a podcast or you know, do you have this either um, there's an email form on our webpage for people asking questions or wanting to place an order. And then we will probably most likely communicate by telephone because I want to make sure that what you buy is something that will really work for you. And again, that's sort of taking on a burden that maybe I don't have to. But if you're spending somebody's money, if they're spending their money, they ought to at least be insecure in that they're getting something which at least you think also that they can use. Phone is 617, which is a Boston exchange, but we live in South Carolina. Yeah. It's my old law, it's my old office number. 617-969-7500. Really easy to remember. 617-969-7500. My email is my name, and it's just pretty pretty much my name. It's pretty easy. It's B as in boy, S C H E U R, which is Scheuer. So it's B Scheuer at Scheuer.com, the owner owned domain. So it's B Scheuer at S C H E U R.com. Call me or email. We respond. I, I live on, when I'm not living on the phone, I'm living in email. And that's that's the way that we link with our customers and again it's something that we really really like doing it's what sort of puts us together what would be your final words people out there you know who may be struggling going through a rough time anything and you know what it's even even with these the difficulty brought on by covid and we couldn't go to conventions and we couldn't sell we had to find other ways to sell if you're in business you never have to feel that something is going to overcome you. It may not, you may not make as much money this year. I mean, it's, it can be problematic, obviously, but being adaptable, finding ways to do things that are new, finding ways to reach out to people that you haven't done before. That, that is truly 
what marks business innovation. And COVID has tested all of us. I keep looking forward to the point when we can start doing what we used to do and love, which is interacting with people face to face. <laughs> and that will happen. Life is a journey. Live good, love God. One love, one heart. Let's get together and feel good. See you soon. Hello, I'm Sydney Thorpe. Sydney Sizer is here to help you meet your all your recording needs. Call or WhatsApp 876-281-2801 or you can email me at sidnesizer at gmail.com or sidnesizer at outlook.com or you can Skype me using Sydney Sizer as my Skype name. Sydney Sizer we can talk. Sydney Sizer, where we love to make good things happen.